Welcome to episode 36 of the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Today, we're going to be learning about a process that can help your ministry solve hard, complex problems. Maybe you're there with your digital outreach. Let's say you have a website, you do social media, you send emails, but everything you do doesn't seem to get the results that you expect. Well, for the past 17 years, 5Q has been helping ministries get digital results. That begins with the solid digital strategy. We would love to help you. To see if 5Q is a good fit for you, go to 5Q.com slash DGS. That's F-I-V-E-Q.com slash DGS as in digital growth strategy. You think about a soup kitchen where you have a row of people on one side handing out food to the row of people on the other side. There's another model though. That's kind of what we think about poverty alleviation. The other model um, that we think is more biblical is the potluck model. That everyone, the people you're trying to serve, you, you're both bringing poverty in different forms to the table, but you can bring what you're best at. Welcome to the Ministry at Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Have you ever been faced with a problem that really had you stuck? Maybe it was a big and complex with lots of implications that you just couldn't quite get your mind wrapped around, or maybe it's a problem that was completely outside of your area of expertise. Well, I think we've all been there at some point, needing a fresh way to think about something, coming up with an innovative solution. Well, there is a growing field of study known as design thinking that provides a process for tackling those big, complex problems. And today, we have the privilege of having Tabitha Kapik, the Director of Innovation with the Chalmers Center with us. Tabitha and the Chalmers Center have been using design thinking and other innovative tools to solve big, huge problems like poverty. That's huge. Tabitha, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. I'm excited to be with you. Well, it's great to have you here. Tabitha, first, can you just walk us through how you became interested in pursuing a career that currently led you to being in charge of innovation at the Chalmers Center? Yeah, um, I wish I could take credit that it was a selected path, but it's Mm -hmm. like many people, many Christians, I really feel like God just had me go from one thing to the next. Hmm. So um, I started in California. My husband and I both grew up in California. Um, and we got married and moved to Chicago and I worked in a laboratory. So that, I mean, you could, you could sort of connect that to innovation. <laughs> um, next we were in Florida. I was with in the for-profit world, um, mm-hmm. with insurance. And then we ended up in London, England, mm-hmm. where I worked with the American embassy and the commerce department, um, wow. kind of launching businesses in the UK and eventually into Europe. And mm-hmm. then we landed here. So for the last 20 years, we've been on Lookout Mountain in Georgia, mm-hmm. where my husband teaches theology at Covenant College, and where I have worked with mainly over the last two decades, Christian nonprofits, um, including in the humanitarian space, in education, in churches, all sorts of things. So um, that's kind of how God brought me to this hmm. place. And I actually worked for the Chalmers Center in the early 2000s okay. to help them launch their first international conference. Uh, and then ha- just came back in the last few years. I went off and did other things. And Brian, our founder, grabbed me back again. 
Okay. Well, that's great. So, so the Chalmers Center, I know you guys are focused on helping ministries uh, alleviate poverty around the world. So, so, but what exactly does that look like? Like, wh- how do you help ministries do that? I love the way you said that. That, that was really great. Um, so yeah, we equip churches and nonprofits and communities mm-hmm. to um, address the roots of poverty. So a lot of us think of poverty as a lack of stuff. And so we think the answer is to give stuff. Uh, But actually, through the Bible, we learned that poverty is really about broken relationships. So the Chalmers Center talks a lot about the four key relationships that God designed humans with for flourishing, which is so all of us, to some extent, have a relationship with God, self others and all of creation Hmm. and what poverty really is is brokenness in those four relationships Hmm. now there's other things like systemic um, brokenness and things like that but that's the basis those four key relationships so as we take nonprofits and churches through our innovate training a lot of what we're doing is trying to show them how to serve the people that they're trying to serve by being with them. Hmm. Not, um, not like a handout thing. My favorite metaphor is you think about a soup kitchen where you have a row of people on one side, handing out food to the row of people on the other side. There's another model though. That's kind of what we think about poverty alleviation. Mm-hmm. The other model um, that we think is more biblical is the potluck model that mm-hmm. everyone, the people you're trying to serve you You're both bringing poverty in different forms to the table, Mm. but you can bring what you're best at. So uh, we like that potluck model because we all have something to offer. I love that. (laughs) I've never heard poverty defined or described as you just described it. And is that it's, it's really what you're saying. It's a holistic view of a person and it's it's bigger than the material side. It's the, uh, yeah, focused on the relationship, relational side, which leads to the material side, whether it's that relationship with creation or others or, or whatever. Yeah. Fascinating. So, so what, like, do you provide training or what on the practical, like day-to-day, what does the Chalmers Center do for ministries or for churches yeah. training resources, research, or just, just talk with us about that. It's kind of all the things you just mentioned. So Chalmers was started 20 years ago by my friend and boss, mm-hmm. Brian Fickert, and he's a Yale economist who came with his um, PhD to Covenant College to teach economics. But I, if there was a, such a thing that existed, he would be like a theologian economist mm. because he really, he came and he wondered what would happen if we took God's biblical story of change and God's mm-hmm. truth and mixed it with asset-based community development, like the best practices or the best principles from that, what would happen? And that's mm-hmm. what the Chalmers Center was born out of. So it did research, it did training. Um, mm-hmm. And where we work, uh, we start, they basically, they researched what savings groups were, which allows very materially poor people with almost no money save as a group, with that relationship, save money over a period of time. 
and for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they give out loans from that pot of money to each other in the group. Hmm. And what that does is it, it, take, it takes into account and strengthens those four relationships while you're doing the poverty alleviation intervention. In the U.S., what it looks like, we have some products um, that help churches or organizations start a jobs ministry where you can Mm -hmm. walk alongside, have folks who have jobs and careers, walk alongside those who are underemployed and really help them get networked and get a job and and have those skills to be in a job. Okay. Yeah. Can can you just share a story of how the Chalmers Center has helped a church or a ministry really shift their approach or their mindset to, uh, to tackling these issues? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have several. I'll say with the innovation training, which is only a couple years old, um, Brian Fickert took all that he had woven together and said, what if we add design thinking mm-hmm. to this? And so he brought me back in and said, you know, what if we did this? And Brian and I are a terrible team because we never say no to anything. We say yes. (laughs) Um, So we've been working with nonprofits and churches for the last few years, prototyping our version that mixes all these things and iterating it. And even through that, we've had some amazing stories. Um, I'll talk about a church in Ohio. They came into the training with a lot of different ideas of who they wanted to serve. So I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with user experience. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I get nervous and we take words from the marketplace and kind of apply them over on top of the church. We're mm-hmm. very focused on the local church. So I want to be careful using that term, but really user experience is, is about listening to mm-hmm. the people you're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, so this church from Ohio, they didn't know who their user was or who they were trying to serve. They had a lot of different ideas. And through the process, what they realized is a huge asset they weren't thinking about was their preschool. They already had existing a preschool and a before and after care uh, center, but they were not connected to those families, even though they had this beautiful connection just in that way, but they just saw them at drop off and pick up. So this church started innovating around the idea of like, how can we make drop off and pick up? which if you're a parent, you know, that's a, well, for me, it was a very stressful time. Mm -hmm. How can we make that like the best part of their day? And so they really just Mm -hmm. leaned into how can we serve these people? What do they need? How can we listen to them better? They're having their first Mm -hmm. event um, soon in a couple of weeks. That's just a picnic for these families just to Mm -hmm. love on them. So that's just, it's such a clarifying process to go through, Mm -hmm. to use the tools of innovation. We had a team from Barbados that wanted to kind of create an Airbnb-like app, but to connect people like day workers with jobs that needed doing. Mm -hmm. So their church could say, I need this job done, and the app would connect them to the person who could do that work for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. And so with your your role of of, uh, the director of innovation, how exactly do you use design thinking? What does that look like? Or do you apply that inside the, the organization or do you apply it outside or working with others? Just talk us through how, what, what, what your day-to-day looks like. Yeah, we, we use it internally. I love um, to overhear my colleagues now talk about running experiments mm. 
and um, iterating things. Mm-hmm. So we do use it. We have internal journeys. Uh, sometimes we have topical journeys. So we recently did one on, uh, we called it employ, where we were looking at, are there resources for Christians who are also employers to um, work with the materially poor through their companies? Mm-hmm. And so that was one we kind of hosted. And we also work with outside partners. So in terms of scaling, we're a pretty lean staff. We're about you know, 20, 30 people, mm-hmm. but we scale through large partners. So in the majority world, like Compassion and Tier Fund in the mm-hmm. US, um, Prison Fellowship, Love Inc. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so we, all of the above, internally we use it and now we're using it. We have it as a training okay. um, that we can give away to others and help them figure out what it looks like in their context to serve. Great. Good. So, so just some of our listeners may wonder, well, what exactly is design thinking? Um, can you just describe it and to, to help us understand exactly what that is? For sure. Um, it's funny. I know this is not quite right theologically to say, but I feel like I had a conversion experience to design thinking. It was one of those, when I encountered it, I realized, oh, this is what I've been doing my whole career. I just mm. didn't have these categories. Interesting. So really at the, at its foundation, design thinking is about looking at a, a, either an asset or a problem and looking at it through the person who's using it, their eyes. So mm. it's in the world, it's called human-centered design. Mm-hmm. So a real focus on listening and observing before you start brainstorming or ideating. Mm-hmm. We talk about how it also needs to be God-centered. So more kingdom-centered mm-hmm. design, because we are not just mm. thinking, how do I please this human or how do I you know, bring them to light? Mm-hmm. We always want, and our churches and nonprofits we work with want to also please God. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a bit different. We've had to create new tools in the design thinking space. But so in the front of the process, um, design thinking involves a lot of listening mm-hmm. and observing and asking. And then you go through the ideation phase and you make simple prototypes this is a thing that we often skip. Like if you're creating a logo and you print it out, one of your drafts, that's a prototype. Mm-hmm. And prototyping is so important. Um, whether you make it out of cardboard or do a role play. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the middle importance of design thinking. And then at the end, one of the wonderful tools is that you run small scale experiments, mm-hmm. low time input, low cost input to learn quickly. So you want to, you don't want to sit in a room alone and come up with a big, huge ministry and launch it. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is listen, 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 build Mm -hmm. little models, Mm -hmm. do tests when things are still easy and inexpensive to change. So you just go through rounds of experiments and that that's really the three-step kind of process. We call it listen, make, and test. And you just keep going around that circle until you you're ready. I love that. That's uh, uh, you, you're seeing that come up that process that you, what you call listen, make test or 
I know, I think I was first exposed to this a few years ago, read the book by Google Ventures called Sprint. And, yeah. and it, it, it described exactly what you said in a five-day process where you can get from a tackling a problem to a prototype to actually doing usability testing at the end of that week, all inside of one week. And yeah, I've seen processes and been part of processes that go from a week to a year. Like it really yeah, is yeah. depending on what you're working on. Yeah. What, just talking about that, like what have you seen the both the benefits and maybe the, the, the pros and cons of a shorter period of time compared to a longer period of time? And how do you usually try to structure it depending on the context? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what design thinking has been used for in the world is product development. Mm -hmm. It's a little different when you're creating a ministry. Um, and in my opinion, I think you need more time than mm -hmm. five days. You can definitely come out with something testable in mm -hmm. that quick a time. But I just mm -hmm. would question, have you done the relational work? Sure. Have you looked at best practices? Have you really gotten in there and listened and experimented? But yeah, for sure, you can come up with really great ideas. I mean, we use uh, a lot of the principles we teach and innovate. We use them in internal meetings hmm. and they just become they become once you start using design thinking, it just becomes part of the way you do work. Yeah. What are some of those tools that you use that you find you're using in, in, in the course of a day? Yeah, one of the ones that's not a typical design thinking tool, like I said, it's that combination of God's biblical story of change, mm -hmm. design thinking, and asset-based community development. One of those we call it the issue tree. Hmm. And what you're doing is you're looking at, okay, what do I observe as symptoms? And for instance, you might see um, kind of a schoolyard in a blighted community and you see trash everywhere and that that's what you observe. Mm -hmm. But then this issue tree forces you to keep asking why, mm -hmm. why is it there? Well, you may say there's no trash cans or nobody's mm -hmm. taking personal responsibility. Okay, why? So you finally get down to the roots and you're looking for those root causes of what you're mm -hmm. seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it might be that, that folks need to more engage with their dignity as a created human they mm -hmm. they need to understand their stewardship that god created us to be good stewards of the earth so what we like to teach is that if you solve at the level of the symptoms and the leaves and branches like if you just go through one time and pick up the trash that problem is going to come back mm. and the further down the issue tree you go with your solution the more sustainable and longer lasting your solution is going to be that's, that's fascinating. I, I mean, so I'm just hearing that and trying to apply it to one of my contacts, which is a, is a dad. And, yes. you, you know, when you have a, a when, when they disobey or when they do something they shouldn't, and you have to have those conversations with them, yeah. you know, it's easy to just approach the, the, what we, the behavior the what we see on the outside, rather than asking those why questions, you know, yeah. why, why did you hit your brother? Why was it? And it turned out it was actually selfishness then in, in addressing the root cause with the gospel. I mean, that, that really, at the end of the day, that's what it's about is addressing the root cause with the gospel. Yeah. And so much of it too, is relational. Um, yes. Yes. I, I would say too, that I think something people miss with design thinking, um, uh, is 
it's really about designing around emotion in a way. Mm. And let me explain what I mean. If you think about a user experience journey map where you're just kind mm. of showing the emotional state of the person using your mm. product or ministry, uh, where's their up? When do they feel great? When do they not feel very good? So this mm. is again, a tool from user experience design. Mm -hmm. You could circle the top and the lowest points and if you see that high emotion that's positive or negative, those are those points are all areas to innovate. Hmm. Where you can connect to um, emotion, which we can really only mm -hmm. know through relationship, where you can connect to that emotion, that's a great place to start looking hmm. for innovations. Interesting. So let me just role play with you real quick. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a funeral. Okay. So would that be wow? That went that went dark quick. <laughs> well, you said emotionally high, fun, emotionally low. Fun role so play. Is, is is it like the weddings and funerals? Are those places that a church might be thinking about? Hey, where can we, where can we have an opportunity to innovate in those scenarios? Is it those kinds of things? Yeah, I think that's a really good kind of metaphor to use. I'll give you another example from one of our folks who went through it, one of our teams. Um, this team was from Dallas, Texas, and what they were trying to figure out is they knew that they, they were, uh, they are a very large church, a couple thousand people, and they knew they were missing new people and that uh -huh. new people were not feeling connected. And so they went through the whole process with us. They talked to a ton of new people and people who weren't so new. Mm -hmm. What they ended up doing was carving their population into, I think, 14 parishes. They already had church leadership living in these different parishes. So um, they did this right before the pandemic hit. And they thought they were just going to roll it out for new people. They ended up mm -hmm. using it church-wide. I mean, this, I could tell you a lot of stories of mm. people who were using this process and it just ended up, but you know, the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit made it mm -hmm. so that they actually needed that design right then because of the challenges of the wow. COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. That's really, really a fascinating example. And just to hear uh, again, how God can be leading a, a church or a ministry to do something and, and not really knowing exactly how God's going to use that in the future. And uh, yeah, and that's um, that again is was building off kind of a negative low point that people yeah. felt lost when they yeah. came to the church. And yeah. in the, the preschool example, they were building off a already existing asset that was pretty strong. Yeah. Um, when I get worried is when teams just come at it, come at a design like, okay, this is nothing we've ever done. And it doesn't relate to anything we're doing. Let's go. That's, you know, innovation tends to be more incremental and grounded mm -hmm. in the thing that already exists mm -hmm. than people think. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Classic example for me is Uber. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not that different from a taxi service. It's basically what it is. They just changed how you got the taxi service, how yeah. the user paid for it. Um, and there's all sorts, we could talk about the problems in, in individual designs, but it, it disrupted the market, yes, but it very much grew out of the strengths of that particular sure. market. Yeah, yeah. 
how does design thinking or when you're working with innovation, how do you approach failure? That's such a great question. I feel like that was a plant. Um, Failure is good. Failure is progress. So one of the greats of design thinking, um, David Kelly, is a Stanford professor who created their design school at Stanford University in California. And he also is a co-founder of a company called IDEO. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of great resources. They have a university Mm -hmm. for nonprofits like IDOU. It's like Mm -hmm. an online thing. So if if your listeners want to check that out. But he said, fail fast to succeed sooner. So -hmm. when I talked about building little prototypes um, or when you're doing experiments, you're actually trying to break the thing. Mm -hmm. You want to find out the weaknesses. You kind of want to fail then when the stakes are very low. We don't want to fail when we're out there ministering to people on a large scale. We don't want to let them down now. Um, People are very open when you say, we're just testing this. Will you help Mm -hmm. us? Will you be involved? And then they know it's a test. So Mm -hmm. they're not expecting it to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. it also, you can just build, using this process, you can actually build relationships Mm -hmm. um, with the people. That's what we find happens. Your relationships get transformed as you go through the process. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I I read a book fairly recently on, um, topic was psychological safety. And they talk about in there, Mm -hmm. approaching failure. And some organizations actually celebrate failure because they know they're one, one step closer to success. And uh, uh, yeah, the whole process of experiments like you just described is uh, failure is healthy in in, in the the right context. That's a shift that has to come from higher levels of the organization because Mm. people need to be given the freedom to fail. You mentioned Google. I think 10% of their time, I could be really wrong on this. They get to work on a passion project. Um, Okay, some big tech company. Yep, no, it was Google. Okay, they get to work on a passion um, project. And that's wonderful. Like the idea of a sandbox to kind of work things out. That Mm -hmm. those Google folks came up with an incredible um, market tool for farmers getting their produce to market in the majority world, um, a more reliable way to know they can only go one or another direction, like what market has the best prices for my corn today. And so anyway, yeah, you have to have a culture in your organization that allows small scale failure and learning failures. And exactly as you said, learn to celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I'm thinking so many of our, our listeners are involved in the digital space for ministries. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm thinking like a dozen different ways that you can take these principles and apply them to, you know, testing. It, first of all, just listening, learning to listen to your users, learning to ask questions, learning to do usability studies. Um, have you worked with organizations specifically around applying design thinking to digital space? And if so, what, what do those look like? Yeah, well, I'm sure that many of your listeners will have prototyped a website, a web page, or an app. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to do this. You can, you can use post-it notes and paper to create a prototype of an app. Mm-hmm. And you can put that piece of paper 
or that little model into someone's hands and they can interact with it. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the way that we have our process is cyclical, you know, the listen, make test, listen, make test. You never stop listening. Mm-hmm. So when you get the prototype into your user's hands, it's so important to observe them using it, which we can't always do if you're far flung, but just watching, talking less and just observing and listening more. And I, I think that's such a hard skill to build. Mm-hmm. Um, we're good about saying, this is my idea and here's how it works, but really letting people discover it and mm-hmm. ask questions and, you know, take ad note on that. Yeah, I know when I've conducted usability tests, learning to basically bite my tongue, set up my hands, don't give them direction, but but actually see how people will interact with it in the wild. That's, uh, I think that's critical. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, you know, your listeners are very used to innovating and creating. Um, and it's, it's, that's a wonderful thing. We're all made in the image of God and he's a creator. Um, but just getting it more relational. Like, what does it look like for digital ministries to think about those four relationships? How is this, how is this dealing with their relationship to God? How is it promoting their relationships with others? How about with self? How about with the rest of creation? And when, you know, in the digital world, we're not ever disembodied beings. Our bodies are really important. And so what does that mean? We all got thrown into it. You guys were already there with the pandemic. We all had to say, okay, let's still get to the people we want to serve. And even though, you know, as a church, we don't want to be disembodied. We Mm want to be embodied and local. So how do digital ministries continue to lean into that through the technology we have? That's a, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but yeah. Your listeners are probably thinking about it a lot. Well, I, I think, I, I mean, there's a reason that Jesus Christ was God incarnate. There's a reason why he came yeah. to earth in person. And that's why, even though I, I really, um, a pet peeve of mine is when somebody says we have a virtual company or, uh, or describes himself because virtual has a connotation of it. Well, it really doesn't exist. Um, yeah. And it, 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 like what you said, it's, it's, there's a need, like even in our company, we're distributed, but we still, we still get together in person once, ideally twice a year, because you can't, you can't have a, you being able to listen to the whole person is really, really important. And yeah. Yeah. And how do we, I mean, we've thought about this at Chalmers a lot. We like people to go through training as teams or to mm-hmm. be with each other. We love the best best design team is a design team that has end users on it. So if you're, I'm going to lose my train of thought because I wanted to say that, but um, if you're, if you want to do a design thinking type process, recruit some of your end users to be on your team Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. And maybe they can't devote the same amount of time that you can, but that is the best way. That's that with that Mm -hmm. um, potluck mentality of let's do this together. No, that's really good. Let's say some of our listeners are working inside of an organization that they, man, I would love to be able to apply some of these principles, but they're getting resistance maybe from upper management or maybe even their, even their own colleagues. What are some ways that you could encourage them to hear some tactics or things you can try to, 
to help overcome some of that resistance and to get buy-in from those up the chain as well as uh, colleagues? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, without knowing specifics of what, you know, an organization, I, I mean, I think you have to show people you have to, sh so I'm, I am a uh, chronic video forwarder person. So just watch this three minute video and sure. see, you know, so I find those gems that just show kind of the power mm -hmm. of, of that, the tools of innovation and how they can lead to better return on investment. Um, so if you're talking about leadership, um, that's often where, where the rubber meets the road. Mm. Like, is this going to be a good use of our time and money? Yeah. And those yeah. are very important questions. Yeah. Um, we had a group go through from Lincoln, Nebraska, and their leadership, their church leadership were like, okay, you can go, you know, you can do this. They were delighted when the team came back with their post-training report. And so I think in a way it's like, how much social capital do you have with the leadership? Can you say, can I try this and we'll see what happens? Yeah. Or can you forward a two minute video? So yeah, I also forward a lot of podcasts. That's another thing I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, well I think what you just said there is, is one is listening, right? Learning how to speak the language of your leadership and use the term ROI or our, is it worth our time, worth our resources? Yeah. And, and, and and so, so I think that's an important thing, help lay out the benefits of why it would help the organization and help, help your leader win. And, and that can be a great way to be able to uh, try to test, test some of these, uh, these principles and practices. Good. Yeah. And I think design thinking has been in the marketplace for mm -hmm. a while mm -hmm. and now it has become, and I, I don't think design thinking is for every challenge. It is even though I'm director of innovation, it's one tool in the tool belt of any organization yeah. or church. Yeah. It's just one tool and it can't do everything. Um, but it's, it's hitting design thinking is starting to hit the church and nonprofits in, in a new way right now. So it is mm -hmm. really important because I mean, we all had to be innovators just with mm -hmm. the pandemic and churches had to figure out how do we, keep reaching people? How do we take care of people? Yeah. How are we going to get yeah. fed? So it's very applicable in most of life. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's talk resources a little bit specific first around design thinking or innovation. What are some of your favorite resources that, uh, that you could recommend for first, like a, if somebody wants to, just to get exposed to some of the basics of, uh, of design thinking? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned IDEO um, earlier. Yeah, sure IDEO is resource. good to, a lot of what we do at the Chalmers Center is based on some of that design thinking coming out of mm -hmm. California, out of Stanford University. You, if you Google design thinking, you're going to find so many different models and words. It's like, it's not a dead language. There's not only mm -hmm. one way to do this. People call it all different things. They set up their processes differently. So um, I just happen to really trust IDEO and Stanford University's design school. Mm -hmm. um, some podcasts I really like, there's one put out by Adobe, which I, you know, back in the day, but they're still going. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's called Wireframe. And um, that is, is really interesting. Uh, it's not Christian, but mm -hmm. one of the podcasts they could look for is good design is human. 
Mm-hmm. That's a that's one to start with. Those are pretty. They're, they're like thirty minutes. They use real world examples. Um, mm-hmm. Another one of my favorite design podcasts is Ninety Nine Percent Invisible. Okay. Um, and there's an episode called Invisible Women, hmm. which just talks about the way we design the world, basically with a male in mind, hmm. and that. That's that means we're only designing for 50% of the planet. It, it's just an interesting, interesting. thought-provoking. And then if you want to be really nerdy, there's a social economist called Tim Harford, and he has a podcast called Cautionary Tales. Hmm. And um, one of my favorites is called Bowie, I think it's Bowie Jazz and the Unplayable Piano. So this is really coming at it from a a different perspective, but it talks about a jazz musician. And then what happens, it's really talking about constraint, that sometimes when you artificially add constraint, that innovation can happen. Um, So when you purposely in your process, slow yourself down uh, and it makes it, that's an interesting podcast. Yeah. Fascinating. Those are great resources. What about for you personally, Tabitha? What's uh, one book, blog, podcast that you've been impacted by recently that you could share with our audience? Yeah, I I think I already mentioned that I have embarrassing podcasts that I listen to. So you're not going to get any of those out of me. I declined to comment. Um, I have recently been listening to Brene Brown's podcast called mm-hmm. Unlocking Us. So okay. she is a scholar of emotion, and that's been interesting. Um Chalmers has a podcast. We don't, we don't have a ton of episodes, but it's called Rethink Poverty. Mm-hmm. And so that could really spark some thinking. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I was a late convert to podcasts. My friends told me about it. And I said, guys, this is not going to work <laughs> as an idea. <laughs> and then I got all addicted. Funny how that happens, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I understand that. Great. Tabitha, if somebody wants to contact you and either learn more about the Chalmers Center or uh, design thinking, innovation, how's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, uh, right now on our website, it's chalmers.org. Um, right now, if you click on training, you can see innovation and click on that and you can get on our wait list. We okay. kind of have an open design journey for any teams that want to join twice a year. Mm-hmm. So our next one is coming up in the fall. I think it mm-hmm. starts in September. Um, so you can get on our wait list. So you hear about that. Uh, and also, yeah, I would just, you can click, I think you can click on me and get my email. Okay. It's tabitha.capic at chalmers.org. Perfect. Great. Thanks so much for joining us today. This has been really interesting, really helpful just to be able to take these principles, these practices of of user-centered design thinking and apply it to the ministry space and specifically to the digital ministry space. I know our users. Yeah, I'm excited about, I'm excited about what your listeners will come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you are listening to this podcast, and you found something that you've applied or you've used design thinking in the past, let us know. Drop us an email, shoot us a note. We'd love to be able to share that with Tabitha as well. Great. Yeah, thanks, thanks so, much. so much, Chad. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been great. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Wow. That's some great insights on in how to use design thinking and tools to help your ministry solve tough problems.
I'd encourage you to take one action item from today's podcast. Maybe it's applying the listen, make, test framework to your next problem. Or perhaps it's downloading one of the podcasts that, she, that Tabitha referenced. Or maybe it's doing your version of an issue tree, asking why multiple times to get to the root cause of something. Whatever it is, do something with the information that you learned today. Thanks again for listening to the Ministry at Scale podcast. If you haven't already, please leave us a comment and a rating on your favorite podcast app. That's going to help us get the word out to get this into the hands of more ministries. Remember to keep learning, keep growing, and stay faithful to your calling.